Welcome to the Sustainable Events Podcast, where we talk with our special guests about the most up-to-date topics in sustainability and tech for events. This podcast is powered by Circular Unity, the company accelerating a future of sustainable smart events. Hello, everyone. My name is Eduardo Lebri, and today is the first episode of Sustainable Events Podcast. I am not alone, as you see. With me is my dearest host, Alberto Elias. Say hello to everyone, Alberto. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Eduardo, for having me. And uh, we are very happy to bring you our first episode. Yes, Alberto. Today is a very special day for us, and we are not alone. We present you our very special guest, Will Curran, the guy you see talking about events everywhere. He's the host of renowned podcasts, Event Tech and Event Icons, and also he is the chief event icon at Endless Events, a stress-free nationwide event management company based in New York. Will, thank you for coming today, for accepting to be our first guest. Uh, I want to start asking you to tell us a bit uh, about your journey in the events industry. How did you started working in the industry and why are you still on it today? Oh, well, thank you guys so much for having me. I mean, sustainability is like near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'll try to, I think I might tell my story. I'll kind of relate it to sustainability and kind of my thought processes around it too. Um, Cause I'm sure if, if, if you haven't ever listened to me before, there's long hour long podcasts where I tell the whole story of the company for sure. But so I'll try to keep this one relevant and new fresh for anyone who has heard of me before. So yeah, my name's Will Curran. Uh, I started a company called Endless Events when I was in high school. Um, it started off as a DJ company. Then we started doing DJing with big gigantic that productions, then realized I that, yeah. And then, then we started doing big productions with the DJing. And then, um, you know, it's, and production is basically the most unsustainable thing you can do um, <laughs> when it comes to events. You know, it's like you need big generator, gas, ge diesel generators a lot of and resources. all that sort of stuff. It's the big electrical, a lot of resources. Yeah, you like, you know, before then, like confetti basically was like the epitome of everybody because it like stayed in the universe forever. Now it's like dissolvable, you know, uh, eco-friendly confetti now. But like basically I was doing production with DJing for throughout high school or when I graduated high school into co early college, around that time too, I attended Arizona State University and part of my business degree was I had to take a class of sustainability. And I, you know, I had heard them talk a lot, ASU's big on sustainability, how they want to be like the number one school for sustainability and everything like that in the world. But I never really knew much about it other than like recycle, you know, and things like that. But then you like realize that it's so much more. And it was really cool, especially because I had a great teachers who taught about things like home sustainability, the idea of like reclaiming water, the idea of like using sustainable building materials. And it got me like really fascinated, I think, with the topic, because for me, it was just it, you know, it seemed like such a win win. There were so many chances where not only could you do something sustainable, but also, you know, uh, you know, save money potentially in the same time too. like when you reclaim water, you don't need to keep buying new water, you know. So I got really uh, like interested in sustainability at that time. Um, but again, was doing production for DJing primarily at that time. But then eventually we realized that production was where most of our clients were, you know, seeing the value. We were turning very complex event production topics into very simple things because most of our clients weren't event professionals. Um, so we started basically saying like, you know, this is where all the value is, is where all the money is, and this is where we have the most fun. Let's just 
make a production company. So we basically ditched all the DJing entertainment stuff and focused just on production. Um, we did that for many a years. Um, and then along the way, we also started creating a lot of content online. So a lot of people heard of us through our podcasts, um, through our blog, um, you know, basically all the social media that we do. So we're kind of like, like to be everywhere. So a lot of people start finding out about us, but what's interesting is that we would talk about production, but we also start getting asked for things like, what do you do for audience engagement? How do you negotiate a better venue contract? All these other like larger event topics. Then, you know, so during this time we started kind of doing more than just production. We kind of, you know, but we called ourselves a production company because there was no other term for it. We didn't want to be an event management company because a lot of our clients were event managers also as well. May, and may so um, all this kind of- When did you guys had yeah. the idea to make a podcast for the event sector? Oh, it, it, okay. you know, it's probably seven years ago or so. And at that time there was already tons of podcasts for the events industry. You know, uh, it actually came out of my desire. There was this platform called Blab. It was like, it put four people on a screen and just let them talk. And, you know, people could basically join in the chat and watch these conversations. And at, before then, like live streaming a conversation was very, a little bit more involved. So this was like a quick and easy way to do it. So I saw a lot of popularity with Blab. So I was like, I want to experiment with this. So I just like, was like, I'll turn it into a weekly show called Event I icons and I'll interview the icons of the events industry. Um, and then like about like six weeks into it, I was like, wow, this is like a lot of work every single Wednesday at 5 PM Eastern. I had to be available. I had to like schedule a guest for it. And you know, that was basically what it was, but it was great because you know, honestly, prior to event icons, I was starting to kind of build a name for myself in the events industry, but event icons really allowed me to like get in touch with so many influencers and so many big people. Um, it, you know, if you watch those first couple episodes, I asked much simpler questions than I ask now on the podcast. Um, so yeah, it's a, a very, very interesting, a very good chance to go watch that first episode. It's a great way to make fun of Will as well, because I'm not as polished as <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so I, I guess yeah, to kind of forward the story a little bit faster um, on here too, is that we start getting asked to do more and more event management stuff. And so, um, you know, we started kind of doing some event management services, but we'd never call ourselves an event management company. Then the pandemic came in, and everybody needed production and technology, which was what we did at the forefront. That was like our main service and everyone came to us first. So we are now in the position to be able to help serve clients earlier in the process, which we knew we could add more value to um, when it comes to strategy and, you know, design and all those things like that. So we basically part uh, of things. Yeah. Yeah. All the pre-production stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like before, like people came to us and they'd be like, oh yeah, we need production and technology. And then be like, but you know, I, I wish I had negotiated this out of my venue contract. I wish that I had thought about where my budget allocation was. So around that time, basically we decided to make the pivot in towards event management because we realized that like, it was one of these things where it was holding us back of calling ourselves a production company with how much knowledge and experience that we had in producing events as large as a hundred thousand people before. Um, so yeah, so that's basically the, the, the long story short of how we started that event, the event management company and kind of got to where we are today. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, really cool. Story. As, a, as, uh, the first time we met, I was telling you, uh, sustainable events podcast, uh, has quite a lot of inspiration taken from you guys uh on even tech uh, well, i'm jealous you guys we, started we before i could to, to talk <laughs> with the people from the event sector understanding their pain their trajectory what is their view uh when we talk about sustainability in the in the sector so since you know that we are all about sustainability will i would like to ask yeah. you what is your view on sustainability for the event industry have you, oh. uh, without giving name to horses, would you tell us if you 
have ever seen events greenwashing? Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, uh, it, it's really funny because I've also got to interview a lot of people in the sustainability space or like people who are doing sustainable like acts within events, you know, like I think there's lots of events to look up to. Like IMAX America, for example, is a really great sustainable event. They're doing a lot of great initiatives. But what I notice is a lot of people are like, yeah, sustainability, it's, you know, on our trends list for like the last 10 years that we've been producing our, our trends guide for the, for, for all these years. And, you know, everybody's like, no one's like, yeah, no sustainability bad, you know, but then what's ha ends up happening is like everything else gets prioritized. So everybody loves to talk about how they need to do it, but no one wants to actually act on it. You know, no one's trying to think of like clever tactics and ideas to actually make their events sustainable, you know? And, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like we are we are definitely I think as events like can be a very unsustainable, you know, thing, you know, like when it, it came to sustainability, I, I think, think that, like, uh, that events are like a prototype of society that uh, can show and oh, set yeah. trends uh, for for the general mm. population. Uh, I well, keep, I I keep thinking that, that uh, if you can do a sustainable event, you can also do the same for a city, for a neighborhood, for... Oh, for sure. It's like a small exact, version of that. Uh, and I oh. think about events as exactly the perfect prototype to test uh, sustainability tech. Um, that's so, that's smart. I, and I think we need it. Like, that's the problem is that everybody's talking about, but no one's actually acting upon it. And like your, your point of like it being a prototype is like brilliant because like, I think that like, if we can do that, then we can share these learnings elsewhere. I think there's a big challenge we potentially would have with sharing outward, you know, and and sharing it because I think we're an industry that is not taken seriously a lot, right? Like we talk a lot about how event planners are like considered the party planners, right? And how we need to be like closer to the C level executives and, you know, be more mindful of data and have those sort of conversations. But, you know, it's, it's, I definitely think it's one of those things where everyone loves to talk about it because it's a, you know, no one, it's like, it's like being like, oh, you know, who wants to like hurt the baby whales? I'm like, what the baby whales ever do to you, you know, in some ways. And obviously baby whales do relate to sustainability, but, you know, I think that we need to make more action in how we're doing it and like be, be more thoughtful and like share more tactics because I think that's an area where event professionals really get it is tactical idea because you can tell them the strategy, like make your event carbon neutral, you know, um, you know, make it so you can move people towards a plant-based diet, um, do things like reducing the amount of electricity that you need. But then they say, and they go, okay, that sounds great. But like, how do I do that? But then when you tell them things like make the burger on your menu default to being an impossible burger. So then therefore your beef consumption can go down. You know, all of a sudden people are like, oh yeah, that's so easy. And that doesn't even technically cost any money. That almost passed all the sustainable cost onto the attendee, which is, I think, okay. You know, in a lot of ways, I think uh, the attendees want to be sustainable and they're willing to pay more money I to do it. Somewhere like, that I don't uh, think... more than 70% yeah. of people would be more than happy to pay uh, a green fee oh, 100%. Uh, for... Oh, yeah. But the problem with the green fee is like, where's that money go? Like, and you know, what does it exactly look like? But you could, you, if you're, but if you're, you're, if you're worried that your costs are going to increase by like 25% for your total event budget, like then incorporate a 25% fee to say like, this is going to cover the cost of doing it. You know, I don't know. We, I'm, I'm very much a fan that like, you can learnings, control the uh, When I started understanding what is sustainability and how we can measure it was understanding mm -hmm. that, uh, Carbon emissions are directly co correlated with the amount of resources that you spend. Meaning water, mm, electricity, yeah, so you, if your event has food, a bigger budget, yeah. etc. So that makes sense. In my vision, uh, 
the more consciously you use your resources, the mm. less money you're gonna spend, the more profit you're mm -hmm. gonna have, and more sustainable, mm. more sustainable you're gonna be. The question is, mm -hmm. how can I uh, achieve those three uh, points in a smart way, where I don't need mm. to increase my budget uh, to become more sustainable? I need to use the resources I have. Yeah and be more sustainable. Mm -hmm. I see it more that way. Uh, yeah. But this is a topic that we can go on and go on, go on. Uh, yeah, for sure. I would like to, to push you a bit further in the future. So let's do it. I think today the event industry is not mature, like you said, in terms of sustainability. Yeah, have a lot of people mm -hmm. talking mm -hmm. about talking, but they are not really doing the job. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, we know that the industry is still not up to the fight against climate change, but mm -hmm. what do you see uh, in the industry until 2030? Do you think uh, more events will become sustainable? Mm -hmm. I'll pass a little bit the word to Alberto. <laughs> ah, yeah. <no>. Okay. <laughs> My turn. <laughs> Tell me, Alberto. No, no, no. I, before... So, for building up on the question from Eduardo, because, hi, Alberto, I was just there in the shadows taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey. I, I, I had a talk this, uh, this morning with someone from the, from the consulting uh, industry, sustainability. And, um, we, again, uh, building on what Eduardo just said before you answer, uh, one of the main points that we discussed was that the, it's an, in a many ways it's an emerging market, sustainability tech for events, etc. And... Uh, I wanted to ask you whether it's a, a barrier that the tech still needs, needs early stages, let's say, mm -hmm. in order for the companies, events, organizers, etc., to effectively access it, to use it, to make their events uh, sustainable. So, because in my mind, I picture like a emerging, right? Like an uptrend mm -hmm. in yeah. awareness, in interest, in investment, in support from stakeholders, from venture capital, etc., and that has many... Uh, many upsides in terms of synergies and how the uh, elements interact with each other. Mm. So, is the lack of tech or the incipient state of the tech an issue, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if necessarily... I feel like a lot of solutions are already here, right? Like, that for us to be able to do this, and to your point of, like, awareness is a big part of it. I feel like at this point, like, oh, everyone's aware that this is a problem right now, right? It's the main trend like, topic everywhere. Climate change. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, 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 it's You're everywhere, feeling. right? Yesterday yeah, exactly, it was exactly. like 40 degrees yeah. oh. here. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you, you guys are feeling it probably. Like, yeah, it's like 40 degrees in Phoenix right now. And that, but that's like normal, Ooh. right? But like global warming is definitely coming for, for us all, you know? And I think that, you know, there, there's so much we can do on it. So I think it's less awareness. I think it's less that there needs to be more solutions necessarily for it. It's just like simple, like you just got to act. It's like everybody knows that the best way to lose weight is to exercise and eat healthy. But why does like we create, we create so many scenarios where like we're looking for that silver bullet. And I think that's a big problem with like humanity in a lot of ways. And granted, we I love the silver fast, bullets. If the I, fast wreck. Yeah, yeah. We want the fast oh, yeah. solution. We want the like, oh, the, to do this. And I think we're, 
you know, I I guess maybe like, yeah, I guess like weight loss might be a good analogy to it in some ways is that like, in a lot of ways, weight loss, you don't really feel the effects of it until you're older. So like for me, for example, like when I was going through my 20s, I didn't care what I ate. I didn't really like, you know, and I was kind of in a bit of a belly, you know, and then I really didn't feel it until I turned 30. And all of a sudden, like, I started having diverticulitis issues where I had this like intestine issue basically happening. And I found out it was like eating healthy is the number one way to prevent it from happening in a lot of ways. And so you know, I think it's one of these things like climate change and global warming. The big challenge with it is like, oh, it's like you don't feel it sometimes immediately. Like you said, you said you feel like it's 40 degrees right now. Right. But for a lot of people, like the big issue is that like our, you know, our ice caps are melting. And like, but like yeah. for someone in Phoenix, Arizona, who doesn't see water, you don't yeah. see yeah. the issue. So it's very easy to ignore, I think, in a lot of ways. So like I want like part of me starts to wonder, like, is the solution that we need less of like just more awareness do we need to start putting like requirements on things do we need to start making it where like you know i don't know there's a law that venues who host events require that they be sustainable is there a law that makes it so some like if you don't hit this like, you can hit with the speed we only yeah. go to an event uh, if uh, it has some yeah, sort yeah, of uh, yeah. sustainability yeah. approach yeah Exactly, exactly. And I think like leaders like Coldplay are really smart to be like, hey, we're only going to go if the, the festival is like sustainable and all these things like that. It forces people to go. I think like it, it's very important, too, because then people are like, well, we need Coldplay to be our headliner. So we sell more tickets. So therefore, it, like it almost directly entices it in some ways, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I think that 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 can really, really help. But the problem will be like within you know, uh, a corporate event, it's like, really, it's about the venues and those things. But the problem is like, the thing with corporate it, for a lot of them to do it. In some places, depending on the size of the corporation, it's already obligatory for them to uh, do their sustainability sustainability reporting. In a few years, at yeah, least true. in Europe, uh, we understand that uh, this will be obligatory for yeah. mostly all the industries. Uh, now it's obligatory only for big uh, corpus but yeah yeah but we, we see we see we see it as a natural uh, reaction as a natural development of the green deal policies etc that are happening mm-hmm. at european level they are policies for now it's like wet paper you know but need mm-hmm. to uh, become alive and mm-hmm. you can only do that through laws right as yeah. says, it's going to happen it needs to uh... happen yeah, not fast as fast as I would like no. to, to be honest. No. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, at least yeah. Uh, things are going in, in this direction. I hope that, uh, in my view, by 2030, I hope that the event in yeah. industry to to set the the example and do the best we can together to give the example to all the other industries that if we can make an event yeah. sustainable, we can make anything sustainable. Uh, as you 100%. say, like, can I share like one example of what, what's impeding on process potentially in some ways? Um, you know, like I think you're, I hundred percent agree with you. Like we got to move faster. We got to be able to do these things. I think one fear that I have, or I don't know if I necessarily want to make this just a fear mongering episode hundred percent, but like, this is something I think a lot of people need to think about is like, you know, we, we came out of the pandemic and that was probably the most sustainable time for events in history that we'll ever see, right? Like everything was virtual. No commute. Everybody no was out home. There's no community. Yeah. There's no travel. Yeah. No it was, plane. you know, yeah. and I, what was it? Like all the smog in LA went away. Like it was like, oh my gosh, like this is probably one of the, like the most amazing things that could ever happen to the planet. But then, you know, what's interestingly happening is that like, we've learned that like, oh, this is really good. Virtual and uh, virtual element of an event can really allow us to reduce travel, reduce, you know, all these, all these things. Well, 
then what happens is everyone's getting back into events and they're all like, let's just go back to exactly how we did in 2019. Let's fly everyone there in-person experiences. Like I see big, big event companies saying things like it's about getting th everybody back in person, which makes sense to them because their, their agenda is that they don't have a lot of, they don't make a lot of money off of virtual. Let's be honest. Like virtual yeah, events are super sell duper, the, like the drinks, the food, food, the yeah, snacks yeah, that you go drinks, there yep. during the break. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You can't sell the exhibitor spaces, all those things like that. So they're incentivized to say that in person's back. So like, I, yeah, I feel like this like wrong narratives getting pushed. That's like, oh, like yeah, like oh, that virtual stuff was great, but like let's forget about it and keel back to in person. But like, I think like we really need to push a big sustainable element from 2020 and onward. Is like you need to have a hybrid virtual element because like if you can reduce 30, 40, 50 flights to your event, like that's that's amazing. Like that could be incredibly like impactful. And like the only way that you could do that prior to this to make up that kind of potential offset is like what, like fork over carbon offset dollars or, um, you know, yeah, sell a thousand impossible burgers. Like, you know, like these, these options are available to us and they're there, they're right in front of our faces, but everybody's just like, oh, we want to go back to the easy option. We want to go back to the, the thing that brings people it's together in practical. person. It's like, no, like. On, yeah, let, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah, exactly. Most profitable. On, on paper, I agree with you, Will, but uh, in my own experience and looking at this back last two years, this is true for many people or the whole world. Very nice for sustainability, though. Yeah. It's not the same going to an event in person, meeting the people, seeing the person face to face, that human connection element. This is what's missing. And right now, the, the human the connection, benefits, yeah. human benefits, the human connection yeah, of going to an event are still higher than going to an event offline. I like to think that with the technology that is coming, the virtual reality, this uh, web 3.0, this uh, metaverse thing, it will get Another up, level to, up to level in the, in the mm. years to come. But personally, if I can, and I'm sorry, I will go to, a, I, I will go to an event. Uh, if you go, I will go by train. Make sure you either take your bike <laughs> yeah, but, or go by train. A train or electric car or oh, yes, yeah, your bike. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Obviously. I, I will obviously try to, uh, to avoid the plane because it, it's insane. It's like the most polluting, you know, and the most yeah. uh, emissions. Uh, it, yeah. It's but a great it, point. It's a great point about like the human interaction. I think I th yeah. I agree. Like I think human interaction is like best done in person. Like no doubts about that. But I think that like the problem is that I think that there's a subset, maybe 25, 30% of people who go to events just to consume content. And like if you're gonna your event's gonna be lots of breakout rooms and content and things like that, that can be best served at home whenever someone goes. Granted, unless your production value is really high, like for example, in a couple of weeks, I'm going out to like Eastern Washington to go to a big bass music festival. Like, and I did all the virtual concerts. I did all the virtual raves, like all throughout the pandemic. And they were great. They were like better than not having anything at all. That's for sure. But like, once you go back to in person, you feel the bass and the subwoofers and the lights. You're like, wow, this is so incredible. It's when it comes to it. Thing. It's um, thing. But I think most planners aren't, aren't planning events like that. They're like, Let's just put a keynote speaker on stage. Let's do a bunch of breakout rooms. We'll do a happy hour and allow people like, look, if your event's really not going to be like so impactful and so different, like I think that's where it feels wasteful. That's where it feels unsustainable in some ways is to okay. make people fly to that sort of thing. So I think it's like, like there's like it's, before yeah. that, uh, like just make it hybrid. If you can cut a part of uh, people going is read uh, a lot. You want to do it uh, live? Yeah. Uh, your workshops or whatever corporate uh, conference, uh, why not uh, 
offer like a hybrid uh, version. There are so many software stack to use it uh, in that space right now after COVID. Uh, yeah, for me, it just makes sense. Just makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and, and it gives that option. Like Alberto, if you want to go in person, you can go and still make that trek and do you know take the take the the Tesla down to go to the conference. But then, like if I'm like you know I don't even I've never been to this conference. You know I just want to see one speaker speak. I might then buy just a virtual ticket and attend that one keynote. And you know, I think it's like giving people the options available. So potentially, and, you know, I think as long as you design smart. increase uh, revenue, I believe, uh, because if you have yeah. all these people that are, are either way going live and you mm -hmm. are still open the hybrid version to all these people that would not go live because it's too far away. It would be too much money to go. The ticket access. Yeah. Or they're introverted. I don't want or to the be in yeah, a crowd. Yeah. You also open to yeah. all these other people public yeah 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 100 we'll, yeah and yeah. So. I, I would like to come back a bit because this yeah sorry this, i go down i think that that is dear to me and i think is a bit controversial to talk about uh mm -hmm. we see uh, honestly i saw many events uh, doing this uh, not put names but uh have you ever experienced or saw an event where you saw mm, this is greenwashing? If yes, would you tell me mm. what was that you saw? It's just as curiosity, well, curiosity, curiosity from our side. What, what? Like what yeah. kind of greenwashing you see events doing today? Um, you know, like so I like I don't attend a lot of events. Personally, I'm, I go to a lot of music festivals this year, at, at least the last two years. So like when I say that my experience, like I used to go to a ton of conferences. I used to speak at a ton of them um, on it. Like I think conferences have a lot of room to grow. But I think like festivals, for example, are a very interesting space when it comes to events, too, because you know, like you like I was in, um, you know, in a, in a very progressive city that very much, I think, believes in sustainability. But yet I see them still handing out plastic water bottles and things like that right like i think that you know to go to like the idea of it being greenwash is like they'll say like yeah we're doing all these sustainability efforts and we're like recycling and all these things like that. i'm like you guys like just but having tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of plastic water bottles even though you try you recycle them you know what the best option is to do don't offer it at all and make people show up with their own water bottles. Like that's like a, such a simple thing I think to, to be able to do. Such I think, a huge um, amount you know, of there's plastic could be avoided. I went to a yeah. festival uh, yeah. in Portugal where they built a huge, uh, human made out, out of plastic, uh, statue with all the waste collected oh, wow. through seven days of festival. And it was just a massive, it's like a reflection structure you realize of it. the waste these people at the festival wow. cause it. So when they pass it and they wow. read cool. like, oh, this was made with the things we use yeah. it here. Uh, yeah, yeah. major. Like data visualization, but with exactly. waste, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting. Well, well, another... also some, some business are, are now, uh, I see, focusing on buying the waste from festivals, uh, which is also interesting. Yeah. If more events should know about this instead of uh, just throwing away the, their trash or waste, they can't even make money out of it and make sure that this material will be reused in some sort of circularity scheme. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Uh, circular and, economy and at its best. 
I, I think I always worry too that like they all are really good ideas to do it, but there's still going to be like some amount of like waste that happens, right? Like so, like for example, as much as you say you're going to recycle every plastic water bottle, that requires every user and attendee to put it in the recycling bin. If it goes in the trash, it's going to end up like you know on the on the trash. So you know, and I think like plastic water bottles is an easy one. So I'll go a little bit more complex. I think on this is like signage, for example. Every event needs to point where people go to tell people what's going on to name things i think like so many events make major issues with trying to make their sign say things like xyz conference 2022 xyz conference 2023 it's like you're making new signs every single time these vinyl signs or plastic signs or whatever they may be to to be able to direct people but in reality it's like let's think a little bit like further ahead can you design your sign so it can be reused over and over and over again can we go towards quick pure insight digital signage for now? event planners here if you make things yeah. that are reusable your yeah. emissions are certainly at least less than half what would be if you use them one time uh also oh, you're not gonna spend money next year to make the same thing right yeah, yeah. I think the challenge that we'll have with it is that like, especially because we're going to a remote culture of workplaces is we now, okay, now we have all the signage we need to keep. Where do I store it? Where does it go? If we don't have an office, is it go to a U-Haul storage unit? And how sustainable is that? You know, like all those things like that, I think that we have to think about. And then the question becomes, if you're a national event that's moving around every year, like how do I get it across the country? Is that sustainable? And I think these are like kind of the conversations tactically that we need to have. There's a lot of great the problem is because there's, yeah. yeah, and there's no standard for everything, right? Like the events industry is extremely known for like having no standards and being very easy for people to enter within. You know, I think that we need to figure out like how do we make this standardized and, and, and so that that way it can be a really, really big impact. And it's not just one event doing it this way. It's maybe, you know, 75, 80% of events are doing it this way. At least that's the way I think in like a business mind. I like to scale things up in, so, in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's the best approach. I, I, I like to think uh, on scale and then go down to the micro breaking down to smaller problems. Yeah, yeah. The divide to conquer strategy always work. <laughs> But to your, to your question, there's definitely lots of events that are saying they're sustainable, but like there's more room for them to, to be able to do better. I think the ones that are, you know, in a lot of ways, just subtly struggling along and you never hear about how yeah. they're being sustainable. Are the I was ones talking that make with an uh, event uh, festival owner, uh, not mention names, uh, but he, he said <laughs> the they are all about sustainability. They promote it a lot. And uh, I asked him, okay, tell me what you guys are doing. And okay, they're not using recycled uh, water bottles. They are helping with uh, permaculture in this region. They are planting trees. And I, then I asked, okay, are you calculating your emissions? Uh, do you know how much, how many, uh, how, how much you are emitting? Uh, and he said, no, we are not, not calculating. We did uh, something on Excel here and there, some estimative, and we are planting trees. But we don't know how many trees we need to plant uh, to <laughs> compensate uh, all the waste and all the, the CO2 emissions that we are making. And I see that this is a, uh, a common thing uh, within different events that uh, they they do want to do good. They do want to, to improve their sustainability uh, approach and uh, not uh, even not only on a 
making something good for the world, but also for profitability. If they they mm. can achieve uh, the, the millennials and they can achieve a better mm. uh, working to get grants because they are sustainable event. But they just don't know how to approach it uh, yet. So do you think, in your opinion, what would be the key to accelerate sustainability for such events? Is again, to the problem yeah. of awareness, that people just don't know how to do it, how to be sustainable? Well, I, th I think the events industry loves calculators and templates, right? Like spreadsheets and like they're always like we create so many pieces of content unless that are like, oh, event planning checklist. Oh, your show flow template. Like they, they love that stuff. Like, right. Like shout outs to everybody who's like, we're smarter and harder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like why create it if it's already been created? So I feel like they're like what might be missing in a lot of ways is that people are aware it's a problem. And they, but they just don't know how to calculate it exactly. It's probably more of like a technical thing that they're like, okay, well, what's the carbon offset of a plastic water bottle? What's the carbon offset of me reusing my, my signage again year after year? So it's like almost, I think in a lot of ways, like they, they, they're going to crave like some sort of calculator, I think in a lot of ways. It's a bit of um, what which, we are doing at the, uh, yeah, I know. I, know. I, was like, I was like, I know it's a little bit of a <laughs> we, setup for what you guys are working uh, on. We Basically, I will let Alberto talk a bit about this. <laughs> um, I, wanted, I wanted to say something before. Eduardo, please tell me that you told them that the answer is one million trees. Because that's the answer. <laughs> one million trees. Always a million trees. At Just least a million, million trees solves all problems. So how many, how many trees do you to be honest, today we are helping them how to the calculate uh, their emissions. So they know exactly how yeah. many trees they need to plant. And they will definitely plant yeah double the trees of what they emit. So they have a very good plan of reforestation of some yeah. area. Uh, and But he needed well, some guidance. Say, also, in yeah. addition to that, too, like knowing how they need to change their event in a lot of ways, too. Like, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, too, you can hire like a sustainability consultant to be like, tell me how many, yeah, how many trees do I need to plant? And they'll be like, oh, million, yeah, a million trees. <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. But like, why? What why if instead you... Yeah, why a million? But you could also, but, but if someone like was there was like, hey, if you made the default for, yeah, again, I'll use the burger analogy. If you made the default, the impossible burger, um, you know, instead of not needing to plant a million trees, you only need to plant 600,000 trees. I'd be like, wow. 400, I say 400,000 trees doing that, like as a potential, I might be like, okay, so let me make that change within my event. Like, so I think it's like, you know, it's, it's this crave of like, uh, the ability to calculate, but also to have the data to point at like what specific things that you can change um, on it too. And um, my my buddy James, uh, who works over at Persephone, he like they do like climate accounting and things like that. And their like big thing is like how like for example, their job is to do climate accounting for big banks because they're believe it or not like apparently like homes are like the number one like thing that generates carbon in the entire world, right? Like obviously like building homes, the electricity for the homes, maintaining the homes, all those things like Building that, right? So what uh, I saw very exactly very cool the, yeah. this kind of concrete that absorbs uh, carbon and transforms into oxygen. Oh and I love mix it with a That's moss cool. that also absorbs oh, cool. really, really cool stuff. I love this stuff. That that's very neat. So what's cool about what he's doing that 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 their company is doing is that these banks need to know how much carbon is getting generated because they fund mortgages and loans to home buyers to buy these homes because it's required by law that 
that they they keep track of all their carbon emissions and you you think to yourself like oh as a company like wells fargo probably has this xyz emissions based on their offices based on the paper they generate blah blah, blah. but what you don't think about is like the indirect emissions too so i think that's one thing Scope that three. as an events industry we have to think about is like the indirect emissions that we're generating that supply aren't necessarily chain. the things happening there but like yeah like the the supply chains or the flights um thinking about what 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 sort of like carbon off carbon situations are happening with your vent food vendors that you're bringing in too like i think it's all this stuff that we don't have direct control or we have to think about but again like getting that data and then being able to have, be very specific with it allows you to make those changes if you see one vendor is very not carbon friendly or carbon offset friendly you know you might then change that vendor in the future years and i think that's what planners are kind of like seeking i think in the future definitely yeah cool i wanted to to mention the the this is my understanding okay i'm not a technician but um, net zero and carbon neutral because mm -hmm. one outsider like me like I was before um it sounds super you know super similar it's the same you know sustainable company yeah, sure. uh, what does it mean like zero emissions well no what means that you have reduced and then you compensate the rest and mm -hmm. the other means that you compensate but you don't reduce mm -hmm. and Jesus, this is what most companies that... are doing today they are just compensate compensate yeah. Oh, yeah 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 and let's buy carbon credits yeah carbon yeah. credits are over in that that supplier <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, this is this is obviously not the way, right? Because the, the first step is to reduce, to reduce the consumption of resources, to reduce the emissions resulting from those uh, from that the consumption, to reduce the, the costs for the company, right? And then because you can only do so much because you still have to do a an event or whatever, you compensate the rest. So I think this is critical. This is a critical part of the awareness mm -hmm. that we were talking about: carbon neutral mm -hmm. and net zero, right? It's, yeah, and it's yeah. not obvious and. People, myself, right? Before, before I knew, it's uh, yeah. Well, it's like one of them's like solving the problem at its core, and the other one is just like putting a bandaid on it. It's like yep. if you got if you got stabbed with a knife. Sorry to bring a visual, terrible visual, <laughs> in, but you get stabbed with a knife. You know, do you want the solution that is like don't get stabbed by the knife? Or do you want the solution that is to put a Band-Aid on it and it'll stop the bleeding? You'd be like, just don't get stabbed by a knife. Like, yeah. And I think that's like where we need to be like in terms of like designing our events is like, you know, not thinking about just like how can we offset it? How can we, you know, put a Band-Aid on it? But how instead do we like not allow it to happen in the first place? How we yes. need to offset yes. at least. Yes. Yes. And this is the, I still think that this is the second step because even before deciding to go, carbon neutral or net zero, you need to know how much you're emitting, right? You need to have a proper carbon accounting place to have data, 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 data. You can only make wise decisions, effective decisions uh, with uh, with appropriate data and with the appropriate machinery. Impactor. And uh, <laughs> I recommend. No, no, but, uh, I mean it. I recommend too. <laughs> but it's, it's serious. But it's uh, and... I think it's really hard yeah. to, to make carbon accounting for events and the market was lacking specialized tool for the event sector. This is why we started Circular mm -hmm. Unity, exactly. Because exactly. Uh, both me and Marcelo, I, I was working many years on the event sector back, back in Brazil, producing concerts. Marcelo was doing his RCO at Circular Unity, and he was doing sustainability mm -hmm. consultancy for many big events uh, across the world. And we worked uh, with especially him with many different uh, sustainability consultants in the sector. And it was very hard. Eduardo, you're muted. 
Excel spreadsheets, uh, uh, costly, people don't know exactly what they need to measure, a lot of confusion. So we're trying to put everything mm. together in a way that is mm. tailor-made for events. Uh, today we see there there is many companies uh, doing carbon accounting and most are doing either for financial or for banks or for big corpo. Mm -hmm. Some are doing for SMEs. We have other nice companies uh, doing for events, but they are more localized companies. Our idea is more to make something that is scalable and can be used for any kind of event of any size. But today is mm. not a day to talk about this. Uh, today is a day <laughs> to, to thank Will uh, for being here with us. Uh, we are 40 minutes talking. So I don't want to bore everybody. Time flies. Uh, I'm really happy that you accepted to be here with us. The, our talk was yes. really awesome. We really appreciate uh, you being here. And I really hope that you're going to come back other day. Uh, 100%. Please. Maybe with another special guest, so we have a bigger crew uh, to to talk Let's about uh, the event industry, contro controversial and up to date topics. Absolutely. I want to I want to close with a, with a I'm going to call it promise, but it's more like an idea, like an initiative. Um, we talked about greenwashing, and I made a note here. I have made many notes, uh, and one is what does greenwashing look look like, right? What does mm -hmm. it look like? And uh, I will I will try and create some some material some some resources because I think this is critical to to help people understand also for for ourselves but for everyone what does it look like to identify it so then you can like put pressure complain you no know, as an attendee or an event or goer, investor like, hey yeah, you know. this is this is greenwashing or or exactly investors right uh, so uh, it's going to happen next next time we come uh, will I will tell you I did it. I love it. I'm excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that one. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been so much fun, and yeah, I definitely I bring me back for part two. I'm I'm excited for it. You guys are gonna do awesome. awesome. Thank you everyone Thanks for you. watching, and this is Sustainable Events Podcast. First episode. Welcome to the Sustainable Events Podcast, where we talk with our special guests about the most up to date topics in sustainability and tech for events. This podcast is powered by Circular Unity, the company accelerating a future of sustainable smart events.